Let us pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you that when we surrender our lives to you, our lives become blessed, forgiven, healed, restored, redeemed, whole, brand new. And the list goes on and on and on. And we thank you this morning that we can be reminded of these essential truths. And thank you, Lord, that as you meet us here this morning, that you would touch lives, touch hearts, change people, allow us to sense your presence. And Lord, we pray that you would speak and speak powerfully today. And Lord, thank you again for the parents who are stepping forward this morning to dedicate their children, to dedicate themselves, and to make witness to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So nice to have you here. Have a seat. And uh, again, welcome to Village Green Community Church on these exciting celebration Sundays. Can I tell you, these are some of my favorite services. Is that, is that fair? You know? Okay. Are they yours? <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. Amen. Great time to get together and to celebrate with uh, families. And by the way, if you're part of the youth and uh, you're wondering where your study is, you can, you can go down right now, but it looks like the youth have already gone. Okay, just to remind you. So again, I, right after this message, we're going to have a short message that uh, um, I'm, I'm going to bring from the Word of God, and then we're going to have the parental ded- dedication. But surprise, um, no closing song today. We're going to end with a parental dedication, so if you're expecting a closing song, it won't be part of the service this morning. So, And one last thing, too, I want to also remind you before you leave today to make sure you sign the cards that are on that back table and bless the families that are being um, dedicated today, okay? I was reading an article recently from a doctor who does brain imaging. And it was very interesting to say that when, when someone is in a hateful state, half their brain's not working. I found, that, I found that really interesting, that when you're in a hateful state or an angry state, half your brain is just inactive, just not working. How many of you have said, you know, like that came, I was angry, I didn't know what I was thinking. Can't believe, you know, I, I, I didn't know what I was saying, okay? That when we're in this hateful state, there's just something that happens in our, in our, in our minds where we're just not connecting really well. We're not, we're not thinking to the full capacity of, of our brain. So we're bound to make mistakes. We're bound to say something that isn't you know, good or healthy. We're bound to do things. Or we're bound to make decisions that are not going to be good for us when we're in a hateful state. What was interesting about the article is like the article talked about this thing called forgiveness. And when you're in this forgiving kind of mode, your brain works differently as well. In fact, it's 
a better brain function when you're operating in forgiveness mode, and it's better for your overall health. So there wasn't just this, you know, emotional thing that was going on when you practice forgiveness. There was this biological reaction and response when you were in a place of forgiveness. And yet, is it not true that forgiveness is one of the most difficult things for us to do to one another? And in fact, forgiveness is really hard when we're talking about ourselves. Forgiveness can be really hard when we're talking about the things that we have done and the things we need to forgive ourselves for. So we're going to look at a story this morning that is a really powerful story in our sermon series when we're talking about only Jesus. And I'm going to do a really quick one through. Um, uh, you know, I, I say this to our church all the time. I'm, I'm, you know, this particular story is a four-part sermon series. Okay, so we're going to get it condensed in probably 20 minutes. All right, so I'm going to miss a whole bunch of stuff. So if you're in our life groups and you're, and you're doing our life groups, you're going to say, John missed this and John missed that and na 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 and all that stuff, okay? But I am going to miss some stuff because this is such a powerful, powerful story. And if you're in a place where you're struggling with forgiveness, I pray that this story is going to touch you in a significant way. I pray it's going to be a story that's going to remind you about the forgiveness of Jesus Christ and what it means for your life right now, right here, today. It's such a powerful story, okay? So we're looking at a story out of Luke's gospel, Luke 7, uh, starting a chapter at verse 36. And this is what the passage says. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Now, if you know anything about the ancient Near East, they're lying on you know, they're reclining. They're not sitting at a table. They're reclining, okay? So that's why she's at the feet of, of Jesus here. Um, her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> I love that. Jesus answered his thoughts. Okay? You know, when your mom says, I know what you're thinking, she's having a Jesus moment, right? Okay? <laughs> Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher. Simon replied. Now, I'm going to stop right there and just make a, a, a few comments. We're introduced to this woman who is known as a sinner, but we have no idea what it is that she has done wrong or has classified her as this sinner before the Pharisees. We have no idea what it is, okay? What is, what is interesting is that 
In this particular story, the woman is never going to speak. She's never going to say anything, and we don't even know her name. We know the name of the Pharisee, being Simon. We don't only hear him speak, we also know what he thinks. That's the contrast in this story. But something is wrong with this story if you know anything about hospitality in the ancient Near East. Because Jesus has been invited to this house. This woman recognizes something that is not proper in terms of the hospitality of that time period. And she is correcting it. She is correcting it. Because Jesus, if you know anything about the hospitality of that time period is already being humiliated because he hasn't been received properly the way a person of his stature should have been received into that household. And Jesus is going to speak to that in a few minutes. And since Jesus is being publicly humiliated and she recognizes what it is that he's being humiliated for, she compensates she knows that he's there, and she does something really bold in front of everyone else. And she is the one that's sort of saying, I'm standing with Jesus while you're trying to humiliate him, and you're trying to degrade him, and you're trying to make him a castaway. But I'm standing with Jesus. So Jesus now goes and tells the story because he says, I want to say something to you, Simon. And here's what he does. He tells the story, continuing in Luke verse 41. Then Jesus told the story, a man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces of silver to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts who do you suppose loved him more after that? Now, by the way, 500 pieces of silver or 500 the denaria of that particular time period, this is about a year's wages or a little bit more. Could even be a year and a half, depending on what you're doing, the 500. So you're talking about a debt that is huge. Whatever you make in a year, imagine if that's what you owed and then all of a sudden it was totally canceled. So it's a significant amount of money. So Jesus says, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one to whom he canceled the larger debt. And Jesus says, you're right. See, this room is likely filled with people who are looking at this woman and see her actions and likely are irritated and shocked by the way she's responded. The righteous people in the room are judging her for her brazen act of love towards Jesus. The room is divided between law keepers and law breakers. Okay? But with one simple story, Jesus levels the playing field. This is, this is the power of Jesus. He's, he's told, basically, Simon, you're being rude. And I'm not going to ignore the insult. You're being rude, and you're not going to ignore the insult. Simon's faults may be less than the woman's, 
But he needs forgiveness just as much as she does. He needs grace just as much as she does. He's not exempt from what he needs most in his life, even though he is judging the woman. Jesus is willing and able, by the way, to forgive both. And it's, and, it's, and it's funny, too, because the woman who has the greater sin, according to Simon, is the one who's expressing love more than Simon. I'm going to continue reading. Look at, look at how Jesus confronts the situation. Then he turned to the woman, he turned to the woman and said to Simon... Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. By the way, that is, you know, very provocative in that culture, incredibly provocative in that culture, but the woman doesn't care. It is a supreme act of worship. You, you, you want to talk about a tangent, you want to talk about worship, this is a brilliant illustration of what authentic worship looks like. Okay? You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Okay? This is a beautiful act by a person who recognizes who Jesus is. See, everyone in the room would have expected Jesus to reject her or to apologize for her. What Jesus does is defend her. And what's what is beautiful about this, and if you're here last week, it's the same point that made last week. Jesus doesn't argue the point with Simon. He doesn't say, okay, uh, so what are her sins? Let's, let's list them and let's see if they're credible and let's see all this. What are all the social things that she's probably broken? Let's talk about those kinds of things and all that stuff. Or he goes, what are this, you know, the hospitality conventions that we need to be talking about here? Jesus doesn't get into that argument at all. He just leaves that argument aside. And what he does is he targets the heart and the motivation of Simon in the first place. Why are you judging her? Why, why are you being mean to this person? Or why are, have you already discarded the potential of grace in this woman's life just because she's a sinner? Is she different than you in any way, shape, or form? And Jesus doesn't get into that. You know, we've, we've, read, we've had two stories in the last two weeks where Jesus doesn't get into the theological argument. Jesus doesn't get into the social argument. He doesn't get into the cultural argument. He doesn't do any of that stuff. What he does is he acts and teaches in a way that reflects the heart and motivation of the person that Jesus is addressing and basically saying your heart is not right. And when your heart's not right, 
You're not going to, you're going to miss those moments of grace. You're going to miss the need for forgiveness. You're going to miss the opportunity that I have, even standing right here before you, to offer you something that you desperately need just because of where your heart and your motivation is. How many of us want to argue the theological nuances of a particular thing, but not ask the person, what is it that your heart needs? Why do you lack forgiveness and you're justifying it because you're taking a Bible passage and, and, and you know, you're, you're, you're making this person and judging this person because they live a particular lifestyle, but you have no opportunity or no willingness to give them grace or forgiveness in any way, shape, or form? How many of us act like the Pharisee Simon in a similar situation? Guilty. I've done it. We've all done it. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we need grace and we need forgiveness as much as the next person. Sometimes more so than the person we're pointing the finger at. Jesus defends her. Let, let's, let's finish the story. I want to get to the parental dedication because it's a powerful moment, okay? So in verse 47, we go on. Jesus says, I tell you, her sins, and they are many. Notice how Jesus acknowledges, doesn't get into the argument at all, okay? Have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. I don't, you know, again, you know, when I said this was a four-part sermon, uh, one, of, one of the parts is how is forgiveness and love connected? Jesus connects forgiveness and love. And I think that's a really powerful thing to understand. But Jesus connects the two. And he says, if, you've, you know, if you have not acknowledged your sense of forgiveness at all or very little what what." what has been bought for you, you're not going to love very much. That's a really powerful truth. The men at the table said among themselves, uh, you know, oh, sorry, uh, let me back up. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. That last line, again, is a sermon by itself. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And again, the Greek word for peace, when we talk about adenia, is the same as the Hebrew word shalom. It's a wholeness. It's not just go in peace. I'm just giving you a benediction to go away. It is, I want wholeness for you. I want completeness for you. I want your whole life to be integral to your faith. All, all of the beautiful things that we understand about shalom is part of this Greek word, edenia. Okay? And Jesus fully acknowledges. Okay? And it's a beautiful way that Jesus forgives this woman 
even though everyone else in the room, and likely the disciples who are with Jesus, are also wondering about this woman too. And Jesus gives them an object lesson of what grace and forgiveness really looks like. Okay? Here, here are some points from this. Okay? And, and you can apply this to yourself, all right? But, but these are, you know, points that come out of this particular story. When I forget or neglect my need for forgiveness, I can easily feel privileged, special, superior, and even judgmental over others. All right? Um, that's next up on the PowerPoint. All right? Those, those points are next up on the PowerPoint. Hopefully you can see them up here. So when I forget or neglect my need for forgiveness, I can easily feel privileged, special, superior, and even judgmental. Never, never forget what you have been forgiven. Never forget that. And the more I recognize my need for forgiveness, the greater my potential to be an agent of God's love and grace. See, the, great, the more I recognize my need for forgiveness, the greater my potential to be an agent of God's love and grace. Okay? And here's, here's the last point I want to make. Jesus is willing and able to forgive me. Some of you need to hear that today, that Jesus is willing and able to forgive you, even though you may be struggling to forgive yourself. No matter what you've done, you are worthy of forgiveness. Okay? And I've had, I've, had, I've had the privilege to pray with people that have done some pretty horrible things. Stuff that I can't even tell you about. And yet... They, by the grace of Jesus, are forgiven. If Jesus can forgive them, he can certainly forgive you. Amen? Amen. Okay? So, we can either become one of God's trophies or one of life's casualties. Okay? I'm just going to say a quick prayer, and, and then I'm going to invite the families to come up. Uh, one family on this side, if that's okay, and one family on that side. But just let me say a quick prayer as we introduce them. Father in heaven, thank you for this story. Thank you for the power of forgiveness. And Lord, if we think about Christianity, Christianity is really built on, on foundations of grace and forgiveness and the fact that we cannot make ourselves right before God. But thank you for Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and the wonderful truths that we can enjoy because of that grace and forgiveness. So Lord, we commit this to you. We, we pray that this would have touched someone's life this morning. And we thank you for your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to now invite the Vanderlyn family and the Eroyavi family to come up. And uh, yeah, um, Vanderlyn's going to, I guess you guys are on this side, if we could have you guys up on this side as well. 
parental dedication. How are you guys doing? You doing okay? Right? Good. Nice to have you here. Um, if we could have the pictures of the, the next slide up, have the pictures of who's being day. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, we have, we have faith on this side. Faith, you see, you see your picture up here? You see your picture up here? Oh, <laughs> and Kian? <laughs> yeah, wonderful pictures. This is, uh, you know, I, I said last week as, as part of um, a testimony that sometimes church can feel transactional. That we come to hear about Jesus, we come to sing about Jesus. But celebration services are really, are really beautiful because we get to witness the transformational things that are happening in the church. That we get to witness how God is working in the lives of the people. And we get to experience how God is working in the lives of families and young children. And we have this beautiful opportunity to stand as a congregation and to just welcome these families um, as, a <laughs> as a community together. So I'm going to ask these two families to respond. I'm going to do um, a number of vow statements and ask them to respond with we do. We're going to dedicate the children, ask them to be dedicated. Then we're going to have a congregational commitment where I'm going to ask you to stand up and we will recite a, a, um, a, a vow that is going to be up on the screen for all of us. And then afterwards, I'm going to close in a prayer and that's going to uh, allow the service to end. And again, please don't leave until you're able to sign what's on the back table and bless these two families together, okay? So, um, both for Kian and for Faith, I'm going to ask these particular vows and if you just want to stand, if you just want to respond with we do, okay? First one, do you today recognize these children as gifts from God and give heartfelt thanks for God's blessing in your lives? Do you pledge as parents that with God's help, you will bring up your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, making every reasonable effort with patience and love to build the word of God, the character of Christ, and the joy of the Lord into their lives? Do you promise to provide for the physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual needs of your children, serving them with wisdom, love, and strength? Okay. Do you promise to ask God's blessings upon your child's life, to guide, to guard, and to direct your child through all of their years? Okay. So then... Do you now dedicate your children to the Lord in the hope that they will belong wholly to Jesus Christ? Okay. 
I would like to ask the congregation to now stand. And if we could have the next slide and the parental dedication, the congregational. And could we read this together? We acknowledge the children of the church to be an integral part of the congregation and therefore important to our congregational life. We declare our desire to be a godly community, modeling for our children what it means to know Christ personally. We affirm it to be our privilege and responsibility to care for and encourage the spiritual development of these children. Okay? As you, as you stand, I'm just going to close with a, a benediction and, and close this service with this closing prayer as we dedicate these children to the Lord together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we have gathered together as a community of faith in your presence and before these two families who are dedicating Kian and Faith to you. Lord, they recognize these children as being a blessing from you and are thankful and grateful for the way that you have blessed them. They recognize, Lord, their responsibility, not just to provide in a physical way, but to provide in a spiritual way as well and to be guided by biblical truth and to be guided by the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ to model for their children what it means to be a faithful follower of the Lord. And Lord, as we gather together, we want to pray for these children and these families. And we ask, Lord, not only in the days ahead, but in the months and in the years ahead, that you would indeed bless them, that you would nurture their faith even more, that you would grow them even deeper that their roots indeed would be rooted in the person of Jesus Christ and the foundation of your word. Lord, we thank you that they're standing here publicly today to stay and say before each and every one here today to make this commitment in a very public way. And we thank you, Lord, for their willingness to do so. So, Lord, we pray your richest blessing upon these families as they present their children before you, dedicate them before you, and make this proclamation and promise of raising them in the nurture of the Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. Our service is concluded. We thank you. And again, make sure you, you uh, bless these families by uh, acknowledging them and writing as well on the, on the posters at the back. Thank you very much. Hope to see you next week. God bless. Okay? <laughs>